when the late 90s, there was a student at uh, Eagle Rock Junior High who won first place in the Idaho Falls Science Fair. Everybody remember Science Fair days? Man, if you're a parent, you do, because that was your project put on display, right? Well, this student highlighted the environmental impact of the hydrogen monoxide. He pointed out how this compound was a major component of acid rain, how accidental inhalation can kill you. It's known to cause excessive sweating and vomiting. Its exposure to the gaseous state could cause severe burns. It's even found in many of the cancerous tumors in patients with terminal illness. So a part of his project was a petition supporting a ban of this compound. He asked 50 people if they would sign this petition banning this compound. And of those 50, 43 said yes, absolutely. Six were undecided, not sure what they were thinking about. The the last one, though, only one of them said no. Because he's the only one who knew the hydrogen monoxide is just another name for water. Probably not something you want to ban, I'm thinking, right? Uh, Obviously, the project really wasn't in its core an issue of a dangerous chemical. Instead, it revealed how predisposed we are to fear, which is true now more than ever, isn't it? I mean, COVID alone has created an epidemic of anxiety across the globe. Fear is a a primary component of the news media. If you watch the news, you know this to be true because it seems as if every story is is presented as an unprecedented crisis, right? Not only that, we see it invade our political system because now, today, a lot of times you cast your vote not based on the, the attributes of a candidate but your fear of what will happen if the other guy wins right? And so eventually, the momentum of fear in our lives will eventually collide with our faith. And when that happens, the true strength of our faith will be revealed. We're going to see that put on display in our passage this morning. And I I think it begs a question that I would pose to you as we begin this morning, as we enter into this passage, and the question is this. Does my faith have the power to overcome my fear? Does my faith have the power to overcome fear? Before we look at his word this morning, let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, I pray for each of us that we can ask that question sincerely. That we can allow your word to speak into our hearts to reveal that answer. But even more importantly, give us hope within it to lead us to an understanding of what it means to truly be a people of faith, what it means to put our trust and our hope in you and how that impacts how we live our daily lives and the things that we inevitably face in a broken and corrupt world. Lord, allow the examples of faith that we see in our passage this morning to stir us to greater faith in our own lives, in our families, in our relationships with one another. We pray this in your name. Amen. All right, if you would, turn to 
Hebrews chapter 11. What a tremendous chapter this has been um, as we've walked through these examples of faith. And so let's uh, pick up where we left off last in verse 23, where it says, By faith, Moses, when he was born, was hidden for three months by his parents because they saw he was a beautiful child and they were not afraid of the king's edict. I'm just going to pause there because most of uh, what we'll look at in our passage this morning centers on the life of Moses, but here it begins by highlighting the faith of his parents. We don't know much about the parents of Moses other than the fact that they both were born out of the tribe. Now, Moses lived before that happened, so yet he gives us an example of what it means like a priest to be a mediator before God on behalf of God's people. But that's only true because of the faith of his parents who lived during a time when Israel was seen as an increasing threat to the Egyptians. Because you may remember, we talked about this last time, how I told you that that Israel had it pretty good while living in in Egypt under uh, Joseph's leadership. And we talked about how, why would they ever want to leave all the good things that they had? Because under Joseph's leadership, They had private property in which to raise their livestock. They were given rations routinely to preserve them through times of famine. And as a result, the population of the people of Israel grew to unprecedented numbers. So much so that after Joseph died, there was a new Pharaoh, a new king who was put into place. And when he looked upon the people of Israel, it says in Exodus chapter 1, verse 9, this was his assessment. Behold, the people of Israel are too many and too mighty for us. They became a threat. And so as a result, the new king pronounced an edict to control the population of the Israelite nation. The first thing he did was remove their private citizen status and made them into Egyptian slaves. He forced them into hard labor, which was not right in and of itself, but what he did next was even more sinister. He required, he ordered that every Hebrew male child born to any Israelite family be immediately put to death. It was an evil act of genocide intended to enforce his power upon the nation of Israel, God's very people. Verse 23 says that the parents were not afraid of the king's edict. And I don't know about you, but I read that and I think, how is that possible? What what is the basis of their faith? And I, I hope as you read it, it begs the same question for you. The end of the verse seems to hint towards an answer. It says that, They were not afraid of the king's edict because Moses was a beautiful child. Is that that helpful to anyone? It's kind of confusing, isn't it? Are they brave because their baby's cute? Is that what that's saying? Not at all. We find some insight hidden within Acts 7.20 when it says, At this time Moses was born, and here it is, he was beautiful in God's sight, which tells us that he was set apart by God. His parents didn't know the details, but they knew that this was no ordinary child, that this was a gift of God given into their hands. 
but he ultimately belonged to his creator. And so for three months, I believe the the parents of Moses prayerfully went before the Lord. And the day came when it was time for them to let their son go. But they could only do that by faith in placing him into God's hands to whom he ultimately belonged. You see, it's not as if the king's edict didn't give Moses' parents any concern. News like that would be troubling to any parent who loved their kids. But here's the key. Their faith in God was stronger than their fear of Pharaoh. Their faith in God was stronger than their fear of Pharaoh. They were able to let their son go because they believed so strongly in God's sovereign control. That's how they could do that. I'm sure it wasn't easy, but their faith in God was stronger than their fear of Pharaoh. Let's look at how it continues in verse 24. By faith, Moses, when he had grown up, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to endure ill treatment with the people of God than to enjoy the passing pleasures of sin, considering the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasures of Egypt, for he was looking to the reward. By faith, he left Egypt, not fearing the wrath of the king, for he endured as seeing him who is unseen. By faith, he kept the Passover and the sprinkling of the blood so that he who destroyed the firstborn would not touch them. So now we move from Moses' parents into the life of Moses himself as we remember how Moses was prayerfully placed by his parents in that river so that he would be noticed by Pharaoh's daughter who then took Moses into her own home and adopted him as her own child. So Moses grew up in the palace with all the rights of royalty. Acts chapter 7 verse 22 tells us Moses was instructed in all wisdom of the Egyptians and he was mighty in his words and deeds. And so what this is telling us is that Moses was destined for success within this Egyptian culture. He was a child of royalty, but it was a culture filled with hedonistic pleasure and pagan worship. And Moses, in his heart of hearts, was unwilling to forsake his God to participate in these social norms. He was a Hebrew at heart. He never lost sight of that. He never lost affection for his own people. So much so that verse 25 tells us, Moses chose to endure ill treatment with the people of God rather than enjoy the passing pleasures of sin. In other words, if Moses was going to follow God, he was going to have to be all in. He could not live the life of an Egyptian and still be faithful to God. So much so that it says at the end of verse 26, here's the motivation. He was motivated by the hope of a reward. And so, again, I hope when you read this, you're asking yourself, what reward? I mean, he's leaving a palace to enter into a life of oppression. Where's the reward? You should ask that question when you read this passage. What we, 
what we see as we begin to ask that question is that, that Moses was looking for a future reward, a reward that he believed would come through the nation of Israel. And that's the key. He was unwilling to forsake the people of God because he knew there was a promise that was coming through the nation of Israel. The reward he was looking for was the Messiah, the promised Savior. The end of verse 26 says that Moses was motivated by this reward, but then it kind of gives us a clue. He draws a connection to this hope of a Messiah when he says, he, being Moses, considered the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasures of Egypt. So he makes a tie here to the Messiah, but we know that Moses, living years and years before Jesus ever came into being, that he wouldn't have any clue who Jesus was. But he helps us see what kind of Messiah Jesus would be. Because he chose, like Jesus, Moses chose to suffer in order to be faithful to God's plan. Not my will, but your will be done. He gave up a life of royalty in order to set his people free. The connections were so strong between the example of what we see in Moses, and there are many more, to what we see in the life of Christ, that God himself, in Exodus, excuse me, Deuteronomy 18, verse 18, tells Moses, he said, I will raise up a prophet from among their countrymen, Israel, like you. And I will put my words in his mouth, and he shall speak to them in all that I commanded him. Which means that Moses was one day looking for the reward that Jesus Christ, the promised Messiah, would fulfill. Looking to this future reward, verse 27 tells us that Moses left Egypt not fearing the wrath of the king. But again, we should read that and begin to wonder and we know the story of, Egypt, uh, of Moses and we know that he fled Egypt. The scripture tells us he fled Egypt because he was afraid. He was afraid for his life. So it's not like he ignored the consequences of becoming an Egyptian traitor, turning his back on the royalty that he had been raised by. Instead, like his parents, what this is telling us is that his faith in God was stronger was more powerful than his fear of Pharaoh. Even though Pharaoh was probably the most powerful ruler in the world at that time, Moses believed that God is the one who reigns supreme. Verse 27 says, Moses endured because he could see the unseen God through eyes of faith. It was this same faith that he goes on to <clears throat> talk about how Moses believed that God would deliver his people from the judgment of death. Remember that last plague among the Egyptians? Because once again, he knew that the Messiah would come through the nation of Israel. And so the only way that that would happen is if the nation of Israel, if those firstborn male children were protected in some way. So Moses instructed God's people to follow God's plan, taking the, the blood of a lamb and spreading it upon the door of their home as a protection from God's wrath. And, and then following this miraculous event, he instituted what would become an annual reminder through the Passover feast of this miraculous 
deliverance. It was a reminder to God's people that the hope of the Messiah was still alive. And we need to know today as we sit here that everything about that Passover feast pointed to and was fulfilled by Jesus Christ, our Messiah. Moses was willing to sacrifice everything for the one thing that had the power to save his soul, to protect, to deliver from the judgment that we rightly deserve for our sin. Look at how he continues in verse 29. By faith, they, being the people of God, passed through the Red Sea as though they were passing through dry land. And the Egyptians, when they attempted it, were drowned. By faith, the walls of Jericho fell down after they had been encircled for seven days. By faith, Rahab the harlot did not perish along with those who were disobedient after she welcomed the spies in peace. First, we learned about a faith that overcomes the fear, excuse me, the fear of letting go. And then Moses demonstrates a faith that overcomes the fear of going all in. And now we see in this section a faith that overcomes the fear of relinquishing control. It begins by describing the faith of those who were following Moses. Because when they stood on the shores of the Red Sea, they had a choice to make. In that moment, there were two powers being put on display. Behind them was the power of the Egyptian army that was rapidly approaching the river in a fury. In front of them was the power of God being put on display as he held the waters back in major walls to the right and to the left and dry ground in front of them. If they surrendered to the first power, if they were allowed to survive, they would become slaves once again. If they surrendered to God, he promised them a path that leads them into freedom. In fact, Moses told them in Exodus chapter 14, verse 14, before this moment came, he said, the Lord will fight for you while you keep silent. In other words, you will only find freedom when you relinquish control. Trusting in God's deliverance, relying on God's strength. We see the very same thing with Jericho. Because it made no sense for God's people to do what he called them to do. This was not a very strategic battle plan, right? To march around the city for seven days, making lots of loud noise and blowing on trumpets. But he's trying to make the point, as we see earlier at the Red Sea, that the battle belongs to the Lord. Joshua 6.2, the Lord said to Joshua, See, I, God, I have given Jericho into your hands with its king, and the valiant warriors. The battle would only be won when God's people surrendered to the Lord, trusting in his deliverance, relying on his strength. They must have faith that was stronger than the fear of relinquishing control. And then there's Rahab, the harlot who had heard of the mighty works of God. When the spies came, she she told them, I know about what God has done at the Red Sea. I I know about the victories that you've already won. In Joshua chapter 2, verse 11, she tells them, when we heard it, our hearts melted 
and no courage remained in any man any longer because of you. For the Lord your God, he is God in heaven above and on earth beneath. Like the other examples of faith, Rahab had a choice to make in this moment. Would she rely for her security and deliverance upon the strength of her own people? Or would she put her trust in the Lord, one she has never seen? And I want you to imagine what it would have felt like for her on that day when the walls of Jericho began to come down. This is the picture I have in my mind. It may not be exactly what happened, but here's what we know. Because of the story of Rahab, we know that her house was on the wall. Because she let the spies out her window with a rope so that they could escape. So her house is on the wall. Remember, the walls are coming down. But she was promised protection. So the image I have in my mind is like a stack of dominoes that have been lined up. The wall falls down as it makes its way around the circle until it gets to her house. And then all that's left is this slender tower of a wall remaining which protects Rahab and her Can you imagine the faith of that moment as those events were taking place? See, all of these examples highlight the vulnerability of those who believed and put their trust in God. Those that were pinned at the shore of the Red Sea. Those that were the the ones that were going to war with trumpets. And then with Rahab, the one who was watching the walls fall down. They're all given to us as examples. They were completely vulnerable, relinquishing their own control and putting their trust in God's sovereign control. So as you read this passage, I hope you can see how so many of these truths can apply so directly to our lives today. A day in which... Like I said earlier, we are plagued by fear. But yet, as a people of God, in this world that is consumed by fear, we are called, you and I, are called to walk by faith. In the very same ways highlighted in our passage this morning, knowing that our faith is promised to have power over our fear. Paul tells Timothy, you have not been given a spirit of fear but of love and of power and of discipline or of a sound mind. And this one's personal to me. I knew this was going to be hard. Fear has been an unwelcome intruder in my life. I've been a prisoner, enslaved by irrational, unexplainable panic and anxiety. But I want you to know that the Lord is my deliverer. And day by day, he is setting me free. Because he's helping me understand that there's more than what first meets the eye. Because as I began to take this to the Lord, I had in my mind that my issue was fear and anxiety, and it was not. The root of my issue was comfort and control. 
See, I, instead of putting faith in God, was trying to manage my life to minimize difficulty. I don't like illness. <laughs> I've lost two brothers. I don't like unexplained aches and pains in my body. <laughs> I don't like financial stress. I don't like relational tension. But these are everyday realities in our world, aren't they? So my faith in God has to be stronger than any of these fears in my life. And, and I know that it, it looks different for each and every one of us. Because some of you this morning are holding on to things that you absolutely need to let go of. Like the parents of Moses, you need to put them into God's hands. Choosing to let go and trust in his sovereign control. Others are unwilling to go all in. I, I know, you show up on church, you're here this morning. You try to do the right thing, but if you're honest with yourself, your security is based not on your faith, but on your ability to provide for your means through your own success. Your confidence comes from what you can control. But Matthew 16.26, Jesus reminds us, for what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and forfeits his soul? What will a man give in exchange for his soul? See, following Jesus is ultimately a decision to go all in. Trusting in God more than you can trust yourself. It's a decision to sacrifice everything for the one thing that has the power to save your soul. Believing that no amount of suffering, no matter what that requires of you, will compare to the weight of glory being experienced in God's presence. So what about you? Is, is there something that you need to give up in order to truly and honestly go all in? Is there something you need to let go? Is there something that you need to give up? And then finally, is there a place you need to surrender control? See, we must all choose who or what we will depend on for deliverance. It's a decision to either take control or ultimately relinquish control. And faith at its core is a decision to surrender. It's finding our salvation through the finished work of the cross. It's everything that we said we believed when we stood at the table together this morning. In the end, our faith in Jesus Christ has absolutely the power to overcome any of the fears that we face in life. He is the one who rules supreme. He is the one who has sovereign control. He is our great reward in the hope of our salvation. We rely on his strength. We trust in his deliverance. For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of love and of power and of a sound mind. Faith in God has the power to overcome our fears. But sometimes we need to let go. Sometimes we need to go all in. Sometimes we just need to surrender.
So wherever you are this morning, I pray that you consider those things as I pray with you as we close. Father, I'm just going to give a moment and ask each individual here this morning to take time to consider the question, does their faith have the power to overcome their fear? And if they are a believer in Jesus Christ, I pray with utmost conviction they can say with absolute certainty this morning, yes, it does. Because he who is in me is greater than he who is in the world. We are more than conquerors through Christ who saves us. Lord, if there is anyone here this morning that has something in their life that they're holding on to, that they need to let go of. May they have the courage to trust that to you this morning. Father, if there's anything in someone's life that is preventing them, that they need to give up in order to truly go all in, to be fully committed to following Jesus Christ without encumbrance, may they have the courage and the faith to do so this morning. Father, if there's anyone who just needs to Abandon themselves before you, surrendering their control, putting their faith in your power to deliver, and the hope of the freedom that you promise. May they have the courage and the faith to do so this morning. Father, thank you for the promise that our faith in Jesus Christ has the power to overcome every fear we face in life. And thank you for your kindness in your gentleness as we struggle. But thank you for the promise that leads us into the way in which we find hope and freedom. May we have faith to follow you this morning. We pray this in your name. Amen. Please stand together. It's good news. When I have a passage like this that's personal to me, and I know it's relevant to you, I was visiting with a new friend this morning, Mary, who looked at the bulletin and said, I'm really looking forward to this. I need to hear this. I think she represents perhaps most everyone in this room this morning. This is a reality that we all face. So on one hand, I want to be sensitive to the fact that this is something that many of us struggle with. This is a challenge in our lives. But on the other hand, I want you to know that there's freedom and that there's deliverance and that there's hope in following Christ. And I hope the passage gives you encouragement because when you look at the parents of Moses, you know there had to be this unsettled part of letting that child go and this decree of death to the... There had to be an element of fear there, but yet their faith in God was so strong, it superseded that fear. The same thing with Moses. He ran afraid of Pharaoh, but he came back because of faith in God. He entered into the place where his fears were ultimately founded. And you and I can do the same thing. I want you to have that hope and that assurance. There is freedom when our faith supersedes any fear that exists in our life. He is greater. You are an overcomer. Trust in the Lord and he will set you I want to pray, and then if you are a member of Melanie Park, if you would just remain here, and we will do our vote of affirmation, um, and then we'll continue from there. So let me pray.
Father, thank you for this family who loved me <laughs> through my fear. Thank you for the grace that was extended to them. And I pray that those who are struggling with this in their life this morning feel that same grace as well. But I also pray that alongside of that is the hope of freedom through faith and trust in you. That you have the power to set us free. And that there is no fear that we face in life that cannot be overcome by our faith in Jesus Christ. You are stronger. You are greater. Sometimes we just need to experience that by letting go. Sometimes we need to embrace it by going all in. Sometimes we just need to open up our hands and surrender to you and allow you to do in us what we cannot do for ourselves. The battle belongs to the Lord. And so, Lord, we entrust ourselves to you. May we live a life of faith that supersedes any fear that we face in life. We pray this in your name. Amen. Have a great day.